Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. So great to see. It is so great to see these local missions and all that they are doing. Gateway to Glory with their, their women's house, which is really thriving now. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's what our month has been all about, supporting these missions, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Before I get underway, though, what a month. What a month. Not just what we've been uh, doing here, but outside all the natural disasters. Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico. Talk about in need of mission or help. Earthquakes, Mexico. I heard I, this morning again, southern Mexico, I think, had felt a couple more earthquakes. It's, these are heartbreaking stories. And we'll never, ever not have heartbreaking stories. It's difficult to understand sometimes, isn't it? It's difficult to understand the devastation. But yet the storms in life come. Earthquakes, natural disasters come. Hurricanes, tornadoes. They're reminders to us, though, aren't they? Sometimes they're just reminders to us of how frail we have it. Human life is so frail, and it's temporary. These things are reminders to us of just how temporary natural life is. We should focus more on eternity then. If we're reminded of the natural and how in a, just a moment life can change, eternal life should be our focus then. It was the constant theme of Jesus, wasn't it? The woman at the well. The woman at the well. She wanted something natural. She wanted water. Just give me, she was there to quench her thirst. And what did Jesus say? I've got a drink. I've got a drink, and if you drink my drink, you'll never be thirsty again. She didn't know what he was talking about. He was talking about eternal life. That was his constant theme. What did he say in the Sermon on the Mount? Don't store up your treasures here on earth where vermin are going to corrupt them and destroy and thieves are going to break in and steal. No. Again, what did he do? He points to eternity. Store up your treasures in heaven. There's no vermin. There are no thieves that are going to come in and steal there. Eternity. It was Jesus' constant theme. And so it is the theme of the church. It's the theme of our efforts. It's the theme of what we do. It's the theme of all of the missions we've been talking about this month. And we've been blessed to hear so many great reports and so many updates from the various local and the foreign missions that we as a church support. We've dedicated our Wednesday evenings so that you could hear more about it and you could really hear directly from just about most all of our missionaries. Their stories are compelling. They are inspirational. They give glory to God Almighty. If I think back to just a few of them, we opened the month. Our first Wednesday, we had 
some of our local ministries that we support. Abigail Ministries was here. Susan Meyer, she's uh, just a vibrant leader of that ministry. She talked about their residential housing situation. They've got a great residential house, but it was in need of some flooring in the hallway. And she said a man walked in, and before she knew it, she was getting the entire building floored. Some brand new flooring throughout. All she, was, all she had uh, resources for was a hallway. And this man, evidently the Holy Spirit, moved on him. And what a, what a miracle she testified about. On our second Wednesday, we heard from some of our foreign mi ministries. Sharon Hester was here with Bob Reed from Basket of Hope in Kenya. She related how this ministry has expanded with buildings, how they're training pastors there in Kenya, hosting conferences. But she said something that it was just wonderful, awesome. She said, we're feeding over 2,000 children a day. A day they're distributing that much food. That's great to hear. And then last Wednesday, uh, and if you've been missing them, these Wednesdays have been outstanding. Last Wednesday was no less outstanding. God's power, his presence has been here. We've heard from these ministries. Last Wednesday it was uh, some of our local ministries again. Larry and Marilyn Johnson gave us an update on Life Builders in uh, Detroit in the east side neighborhood of Regent Park. They've renovated over 50 homes in that neighborhood. They keep Jesus in front of every tenant they keep Jesus in front of every single life that they touch. Life Builders was able to sponsor three children to come to Parkway Christian School, which is fantastic. And then Larry gives us, yeah, yeah, de definitely. But even better, Larry gave us the update. They were able to double that. Now they have six kids because they were blessed with some financing that they didn't see coming. Six children coming from that neighborhood to Parkway Christian School. And then Larry said something that really just uh, smacked me right between the eyes. He was here last Sunday. We had guest speaker, Dr. Sam Asadik, and he was from Egypt, one of the uh, ministries we support, OSI, and Dr. Sam had talked to us. Larry said he was convicted. He said, I was convicted to do more. And I just sat there and said, wow. The Johnsons, they just don't work in that neighborhood. They're sold out. They walked away from a comfortable retirement over a decade ago. They bought a home in the neighborhood. They live there. They're sold out completely. And then Larry says, I was convicted to do more for Jesus. Now that's what this month is all about. That's something I think we can all grab hold of. Doing something more for Jesus. Doing something more for eternity. And we have one more Wednesday to go. We're going to have three local ministries here. Two of them you saw here on the video, Life Challenge and Gateway to Glory. Uh, and then we're going to have another. It's a new one, a, a pantry that we're supporting Come on out and hear from these ministries. Hear what they are doing for eternity. Their work is in partnership with 
the church. Their work complements the work that the church does in revitaling neighborhoods, in feeding children in a place like Kenya, ministering to those battling addictions. The goal and the aim, it's the same. Helping the natural need, but presenting I liked how Jeff Bonzelar said it, the Jesus component, the eternal solution, Jesus Christ. We were challenged about that last week by Dr. Sadek. He said, don't compare yourselves to others. Don't covet someone else's gifts. Don't say, God, I need this or I need that before I can get out there and do something. He said, instead, just start using the gifts and the talents that God has already given you and say this. This is a quote from Dr. Sama. I'm going to look with the heart of God to seek and save the lost. It's been our theme all month. It's really the theme of all of our lives as Christians to reach our neighbors, to reach the world. Our pastor of care and ministry and our director of missions, Reverend Barry Allen, he began this month on Sundays and he brought us a word about relationships. If we're going to have this heart of God to reach our neighbors and to reach the world and to seek and save the lost, it's going to require interfacing with people. It's going to require making relationships. And the following Sunday then, I followed up and talked about conversations. The start of most relationships begins simply with a conversation. And then last week we heard from Dr. Sama, and he said, so many of us just need an ear. We need, people who are lost, they need that ear and we need to listen. We need to hear the specific needs of people that are lost. And that comes by listening so that we can respond. Hearing and listening are different, he said. He said, you might have great advice. You might have the best advice that you could offer someone. But maybe it's just your canned advice. Maybe it's that great advice you always have in your back pocket. And he said, these people aren't going to remember your advice if you weren't really listening to them. They'll remember whether or not you were listening. So we listen. We begin a conversation. We build a relationship. And we share Jesus. That's the mission. That's the mission not just of our missionaries, but every single one of us who consider ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a word that the New Testament applies to you, and that word is disciple. A disciple's a follower. A disciple's a student of someone. If we're Christians and we say we're followers of Jesus, we're disciples of Jesus Christ. He's our teacher. He's the master teacher, Jesus. And there is always something more that we can learn from our master teacher. The last line of the Gospel of John tells us about the ministry of Jesus. And John said, the world itself could not contain the books that could be written about Jesus. So if you've got in you every book that could ever possibly be written about Jesus, then maybe you're there. But I know that I'm not. I can learn more from the master teacher. I can learn more from the master himself. I want to be an ever disciple of Jesus. Do you consider yourself that student, that disciple? And I think most of us here today can say that, that we're followers and we're disciples of Jesus. So we have a mission.
We have the mission to listen, to begin the conversation, to build a relationship, and to share his wonderful gospel. And I want to consider that mission of the disciple this morning from where Dr. Sadek left off last week. He was preaching about feeding the multitude. Jesus feeding 5,000. Now recall, Jesus was making an attempt to remove himself from the crowds. He crossed over the Sea of Galilee by boat, but the crowd saw him. And as he took this several-mile several journey across uh, that big lake, the Sea of Galilee, the crowds just began to run around the banks and follow him. So he crossed by boat, but the crowds followed, circling around on land. And this is where I want to pick up the account. I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 14. Now this is in all four of the Gospels. This great miracle of feeding the multitudes. There's different details in each Gospel. I'm taking Matthew, Matthew 14. I'm going to read from verses 14 through 21. Jesus coming over by boat. And verse 14 reads, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men beside women and children. What I want us to notice in this account this morning, I want us to notice the disciples. Now we know about the physical need. The people were hungry. They were in need of physical food. And despite the lack of food, Jesus, by divine multiplication, he fed this multitude. That's the story in the natural. And I want to take a little bit of interpretive license, if I may, this morning and consider the disciples and see their response to the natural need and how that natural need might be instructive to us in responding to spiritual needs. Let's look beyond the natural problem this morning. Let's look beyond the natural and see if we might not be able to draw out some lessons for our lives, for our own spiritual walk, and the spiritual walk of others, others who may not have received this Jesus component yet. The natural lack of food, it was noticed. It was obvious. The place they were at, no supply. How is it described? It's a desolate place. The disciples said to Jesus, send these people away. Let's get rid of these people. Send the crowds away. Let them go to the village. Let them go to one of the little towns. Let them find something to eat themselves. But Jesus said something to these disciples, didn't he? Jesus said, they don't need to go away. 
you give them something to eat. And that's my first observation about these disciples. Jesus said, you disciples, you give them something to eat. They must have been stunned. How many times has someone come into your life and they're in a desolate place? They're lost. They're hurting. They're desperate. And now they have, they have some kind of problem. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Whatever the situation, they're in a desperate, desolate place. What do you see? What do we see? Do we see our lack? Is that what we see? Do we see ourselves as unqualified to help? Do we reckon, I do not have the capacity to help this person? How often are we tempted to send such a person back out into the world? Go, leave, find your help over there or over there. I do not have what you need. But we're disciples. We're disciples. I think what Jesus was saying is, you have what they need. They don't need to go. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And then us and our humanists might be saying, I, I don't have anything to give them. But that's not true. You do have something to give. Something better than what they're going to find if you send them away. What's in the village? What's in the town? Let me say it another way. What's in the world? What's in the world but the culture? And what is the world, what is the culture going to feed this lost person who is in a desolate place? Well, they're going to feed them something temporary. They're going to feed them something that's never going to completely satisfy. Yes, the culture will feed cravings. The culture will offer instant gratification and self-medication. It's a relational problem. You're having trouble with your marriage? Hey, there's the divorce attorney. Go over there and take care of your problem. You can get it done quickly. Self-esteem issue? Oh, look at this person or that celebrity there. Look at how they're dressed. Look at how they carry yourself. Just do that and that'll fix your problem. Addiction problem. You got an addiction problem? Well, take this drug and it will help you with your addiction problem. Really? To me, it, it, it's like this new country song. I, I heard this song the other day and I think it's been out for several months, but it's a country song. And it goes like this. It says, I turn on Fox News and then CNN, but it's the same dang thing all over again. The world's in the toilet and the market's in the tank. Well, I can't fix that. No. You say you got a broken phone, you got a broken heart. The boss is on your back and your truck won't start. Always a truck in a country song. <laughs> now your friends... They don't want to listen to Hank. Well, I can't fix that. No, but I can fix a drink. Pour it on ice, mix it on up, and get you feeling right. I can get you buzzed. I can get you smiling. I can make you feel like you're sitting on an island. I can make it fruity. I can make it strong. All you got to do is tell me what you want. Put it to your lips. Take a little sip. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I can fix a drink. That's the fix. 
There's the, it's a catchy song. It's got the country twang. It'll get you singing along. It's so cute. It seems totally harmless. But what's the message? What's the message? This is what the world has to offer when there's a soul in trouble. And that's no help at all. I can fix a drink. And all that does is take someone from one desolate place to another desolate place. And that's the fix the world offers. It's like what, what Pastor Jeff Bonsalar said. That's the dance with the devil. When someone's in that desolate place, you need to know that you've got something. You have a divine fix that you can offer. It's not the natural solution. And the fix that Jesus offers is eternal. Now, Jesus fed these 5,000. You know, but they would be hungry the next day. So you say, well, I'm not getting to this, this natural. I've got this eternal fix. What can I tell this person about Jesus? They're, they're faced with divorce, or they are divorced. And if I bring them to Christ, well, they're still going to be divorced. Or they're fatherless, and they're still going to be fatherless. They're hurting, and they're still going to be hurting. Yes, all of that is true. But despite that outward problem, despite that natural issue, the promise of Jesus Christ is this. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. In Christ Jesus, we're reconciled to God. And he's going to count our sin and our trespasses against us no more. And that's the, a solution that we can offer to someone who's broke and homeless and on their way to hell. And you know what? Afterwards, when you offer them Jesus, and if they listen to you and they receive Jesus Christ and the eternal life that he offers, yeah, they might be broke and they might be homeless, but they're not on their way to hell anymore. They're pointed to glory. They are pointed to glory. I like how Dan Hitz put it last week. If we're the disciples that are there to help, we can put our arm around that person. We can limp with them. We can hobble with them. We could even lift them and carry them to Jesus out of that desolate place. And then those of us who are in Christ, then we're this extension of Jesus. Yes, now to offer, of course, natural assistance and help with the physical problems. Oftentimes that's where we begin anyway. We're helping with that natural need. We're, we're helping with that problem to get it fixed. But we need to offer the eternal solution that's found in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, that person's life can transform that person can begin to trust in Jesus and count on him and live by his ways and principles and to see that he is with us in whatever the physical problem, whatever the situation is, as that renewal process takes place that's not instantaneous. It's continuous and it's ongoing. That person will be gradually walking more towards heaven. We heard Jessica in that video say they were out of Egypt in a day. God delivered them from Egypt. But Egypt was not instantaneously delivered out of the people. 
they still had the craving to go back. They still had the craving to go back to the land of idols and all. They wanted to go back in bondage for food, for leeks and garlic and cucumbers, for their physical cravings when they had eternal life and God had gave them a promise of rest in the promised land. So don't send someone away. Don't send them away, you disciples. Give them something to eat. And I know you might be saying, I don't know enough. I struggle with the words to say. Really, what can I give to somebody who's got such big problems? Second observation. You have something to give. It was given to you by Jesus. It was given to you by the master teacher. Jesus took five loaves, two fishes, and he blessed them. He broke the bread up and he gave it to the disciples. Notice that. Jesus broke the bread up. He didn't give the disciples a whole loaf. He didn't say, now go force feed this down somebody. And I know sometimes that's our desire. We want to give somebody when we know so much about the Lord and we've got all of it in us, we want to take a whole loaf and just put it on down. But that force feeding sometimes can be difficult. Jesus broke the bread. He put it into manageable pieces, feedable pieces, and he gave it to the disciples. He said, now you, you pass this. The disciples distributed these pieces of bread, the bread of life that Jesus had blessed. You know, you might just have one slice, but you know what? You're a bread distributor. You have something to feed that hurting person in a desolate place, even if you feel like, I, I, maybe I only have half a slice or a really thin slice. Maybe all you can remember is one verse of the Bible. You can't even remember five verses and two chapters. All you've got is one verse. Maybe it's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish. Maybe that's all you needed to hear for your life to transform. And that's all you have to give. Well, you can give it. You can give it. That's a piece of the bread of life. And Jesus Christ has blessed it in you. And he wants you to pass it on. You might be the disciple that says, I've only got crumbs. I've only got crumbs from a loaf. Or you might be a disciple that's been following Jesus for years and years and years. And you've got a bakery full of bread. Either way, you've got something to give. Don't send someone from that desolate place back into the world. It's only going to magnify and heighten their problem and their desolation and their issues you have the bread of life. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has given it to you. He has put it in your life. Now be that bread distributor. Have the confidence. Have the trust that Jesus Christ has blessed it in you. So much so that when you share it, he's going to, how did we sing it this morning? He's going to lead you in love to those around you so that you can share this bread with them till they're satisfied. So much so they're going to have leftovers. I've only got John 3.16. Use it! Use it! And you might find it's even more than enough 
to turn someone's life to Christ. And there's going to be leftovers. Have that confidence and trust that Jesus will multiply what you have to give. That's my third observation. The disciples didn't even consider that Jesus could multiply what they had. But Jesus did. He did. He divinely multiplied a child's lunch to feed a multitude of thousands. The disciples that wanted to send the people away ended up feeding them, feeding this multitude to satisfaction to the point that they were collecting leftovers. We so often use the mathematics of our brain. We use the mathematics of man. Oh, my simple little gospel story about Jesus who gave his life on a cross for sin. It's not going to be enough for this person. They're too far gone. They have too much baggage. Their problems run too deep. I don't think bringing up Jesus is going to help them out at all. That's the mathematics of man who says you'll never have enough. The mathematics of man says the problem is too big. The issues are too deep. But God, God can use the smallest things for the greatest of purposes. In the Old Testament, God was pleased to use little things, insignificant things, to accomplish his divine purpose. There was a little basket of reeds, or a, you know, a little woven basket put in the Nile River. It caught the eye of an Egyptian princess, and she raised up a great leader who took those people out of Egypt. That was Moses. God used a, a, a simple sling and a smooth stone in the hands of a boy to fell a warrior giant. God used the jawbone of a donkey in the hands of a rebellious, a rebellious judge in order to knock down a thousand of the enemy. Trumpets and shouting, those two simple things, blowing a horn and yelling, brought down the walls of a city. When you look at it with the eye of man, you say, no way, no way. What are these people doing, marching around a city and blowing their horns? But the walls fell down. When you look at it with the eye of man, I can't do enough. That's the mathematics of man. And with the mathematics of man, there will always be a deficit. But with the arithmetic of God, there's always going to be a surplus. The people ate until they were satisfied and there were leftovers. There was a surplus. Trust God. Trust God that the bread of life that you have in you, you can offer it. And it's going to be more than enough for the need that's looking at you face to face. You can win someone out of that desolate place. All of our missionaries are hard at work doing that. Their resources are often small. They're often meager. But their faith is large. Their faith is huge. We've heard from them this month. We've heard their inspiring, compelling stories about faith. Little things like, I need a hallway with flooring. And now they have that entire residential facility and it's not just a two-bedroom house. Or so. This was an old convent. 
So there, there was a lot of rooms that needed flooring. Done. Arithmetic, a man, maybe I'll get a hallway. Mathematics, a God. The whole house is done. Let's do our best to help these people of faith. Let's do our best. You have this morning a reminder of what all of our missions are about and what they're doing. Please take this home. Please take it home. Read through it. If you haven't been able to be out here on Wednesday nights, be acquainted with the, the different ministries that we're supporting as a church. Read through it. And ask God, what could I do to help? If you've been supporting the missions, and I know so many of you do, consider keeping that going. Consider maybe even adding a little to it. Trust that if, even if it's a little slice, even if it's an additional crumb, God can multiply it. God can use it for his kingdom. But more so, if you've never really committed to helping out these ministries, the littlest, the smallest of things, what you might consider insignificant and not even worth giving because you think, well, it's not going to help. No gift is too small because we serve a God who can take that little portion and he can multiply it out. He can bring it into a surplus. So many here in this room can testify to that. So please do that this week. Take some time to do that. And if you can get these back to us in the next couple of weeks, it'd be wonderful because we want to be able to plan for the coming year. We want to be able by January of 2018 to be all in place to let these ministries know how we're supporting them. We've been able to add increase and it's a great thing. I'll tell you that the gratefulness of these ministries is overwhelming. They are so thankful for what you do as a people. But more so, if you're struggling with sharing Christ, maybe you've found, yes, you're a disciple, but you think the bread I have isn't enough to offer. The bread of life that you came in contact with is Jesus. And he said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. I want to encourage you this morning. You've got something to share. And when those fears overwhelm you or you get tongue-tied, and I know we all can, we can get tongue-tied in front of someone when someone's problem seems so huge. And we, we need that confidence to really just bust open the door of the gospel. I want to encourage you that you can do that. If the gospel seems like it's not enough sometimes, if you need some empowerment, if you want a touch of the Holy Spirit just to be a little more bold, I want to invite you as we close it, come on up for some prayer. Let's stand and pray as we close our service. But if you need some assurance, if you need some assurance that the arithmetic of God is greater than man's, Come on down and let's pray. Let's get that. Let's get that assurance that we can talk to people and have a surplus. Let's stand. Let's stand. And uh, as we sing a song and you need to make your way or you want to, 
to receive just a little more boldness. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit meets people here and we will pray with you. Don't miss an opportunity because I know, I know an opportunity is going to cross your path where you'll have a chance to feed someone. It humbles me. It humbles me when the first people that walk up to the altar and say, I want more, I need a little more boldness, are people that we saw on this video this morning that are out there in the thick of it, seeing people on a daily basis who are in a desperate place. And our local missionaries, the leaders of Gateway to Glory, if they need it, and I know I need it, we all need it. We need that holy boldness to present the bread of life. If you want a little more empowerment, you want a touch of the Holy Spirit, you want to be blessed to be emboldened, to be empowered, to share what you have to offer, I just encourage you to even raise your hand right now from where you're seated and let's pray a blessing. Let's pray a blessing that Almighty God would use you in a powerful way this week. Father, in the name of Jesus, for all those who have been here at this altar, for those who are raising their hands right now, God, pour out a blessing upon them. Their desire, their desire is to be used by you in a larger way. Lord, I pray right now that you would open up their mouths to give exactly what they need to say to whomever crosses their path. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let the living word of your Holy Spirit flow through these vessels that want you more, Lord. And God, I pray that you would use them, multiply what they have to offer. May they see tangible results for you and for your kingdom, God. And we will say thank you to you and to you alone. We will not take personal glory for this. We will not take personal credit. We'll say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for empowering us to be used for your kingdom and we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory because it's due to you. You have lifted us from the pit and you have saved our lives. Help us to throw out that lifeline to another and pull them in with whatever bread we have to offer, God, that you've deposited in us. Bless it, Lord, and multiply it and use it. And we thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for all of our missions that are supported by this local church, God, and continue to bless them and show them favor. Keep them safe, those that are in foreign lands. Prosper them, Lord, in the work that they are doing. And God, put it on the hearts of your people to continue with their generous, generous support. Thank you, God. Thank you. We commit this into your hands. We praise you and we thank you. In the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.